I was I was hoping to buy myself a little time. As the kids dismissed, now you have to wait on me. Praise the Lord. Please join me in a brief word of prayer. Heavenly Father, uh, I just want to say thank you. We started off this service today, Lord, just remembering your goodness, remembering all the ways you've blessed us, Lord, and you've been faithful to us. And, and Father God, you are a good God regardless of the circumstances. And Father God, I thank you for that word that Leanne shared, Lord, that is so good. Lord, uh, even as we're faithfully going about serving you and, and and walking with you and doing our thing, going through our routines and so forth, Lord, there are times when you're trying to get our attention because you want to speak a specific word to us, Lord. You have an assignment for us, and it and it demands our full attention. Uh, Lord, I just pray that you would convict us, Lord, to make ourselves so available and so sensitive to you, Lord, that, that, that we won't just keep walking as you're trying to get our attention and we see it out of the corner of our eye, but we still press, press forward in our normal routine. Make it so that we always turn aside to see what it is you are doing to get our attention and that we will draw near to you in that and say, here I am, Lord. Speak to me what you have to say. For I want to hear you and do your will. I wanted to give attention to that word, Lord, because I feel like you're speaking to all of us in that. And Lord, I I thank you for what you've already done and for what you are going to to continue to do. Uh, Lord, we just yield to you and say, have your way. Speak to us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So, um, I have a, a, a short word for you today, um, which means anything under an hour is a short word for you. Um, and and this is going to be a, a precursor or the beginning of a theme that's going to be carrying forward uh, for the next few weeks or so. And uh, I will start in the book of Mark, chapter 9, verses 2 to 8. Then we'll go to the book of Hebrews, and that's where we'll finish Hebrews, chapter 1. Because I feel it echoes something that is said in Mark, chapter 9. And I will start at the second verse. I'm reading from the ESV. And it says, and after six days... Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them and his clothes became radiant, intensely white as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah and Moses and they were talking with Jesus. And Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. For he did not know what to say, for they were terrified. Now, 
wouldn't we all be terrified in a situation like that? If all of a sudden I'm talking with Mark Bruner and all of a sudden he's glowing white, right? He's transfigured in front of me and he's all, he's ghost white, whiter than any bleach can get you, right? And all of a sudden two people I know are dead, long dead, appear out of nowhere right beside him, right? You know, that's got to be a scary sight. And sometimes when you're terrified, you don't know what to say. You feel like some, some people are just going to be frozen and, and stay, stay quiet. Then somebody feels like they got to say something. Peter is that dude. I love Peter. And he said, uh, 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 it's good that we're here. Why don't we make three tents? One for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. For he did not know what to say, for they were terrified. So this wasn't of the Lord what he said. He just didn't know what else to say. And they were scared. But, and a cloud overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the clouds. And, and this is, this is the title of today's message. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. And suddenly, looking around, They no longer saw anyone with them but Jesus only. We have Moses and Elijah there representing the law and the prophets. Having this meeting here with Jesus transfigured, who is the culmination, the fulfillment of the law and the prophets? Who is the living word? Jesus. Here's the word of God become flesh. Right? And he, the new covenant is in his flesh and in his blood. Amen? So we have two that represents the old covenant and one that represents the new covenant. And God is saying, hey, you had, Mo- you had Moses, you had Elijah, now it's time to listen to my son. Are you hearing me? It's important that this message gets to us and resonates to us today, right? Because there is a lot of things and a lot of people we can listen to, but we cannot cause that to deviate from what has already been spoken about the son and by the son. This is my beloved son, Hear him. And let's, let, let's go on over to the book of Hebrews chapter one. It doesn't specifically say it, but it echoes the same message because God, we don't even know who the author of Hebrews is. Doesn't matter because we know that the Holy Spirit, the divine inspiration is from the Spirit of God. Some believe it's Paul. There's reason for it not to be him. Some believe it's Apollo. Some, there's a lot of Reasons why people think it's one person or the other. But I remember what it says in the book of Timothy that all scripture is God breathed. I could care less which of the apostles or which of them wrote it as long as I know it is of God. And it's in the, it's canonized in scripture, which means it's, it's obvious that it was inspired by the spirit of the living God. And that's what matters to me. Amen.
This is my beloved son. Listen to him. Starting in the first verse of Hebrews chapter 1, it says, Long ago and at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But, and everybody say but. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. And the last days, what are the last days, pastor? Are we in them? Yes, the last days began with the Messiah. And just because it's a lot of last days doesn't change the fact that it's the last days. Right? So they began with Jesus Christ, our Messiah, our Lord and Savior. In these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. Whom he appointed. Now, these next, these next couple verses are seven descriptors of what, who Jesus is and what he's about. And I want you to number these as we go through them or highlight them or whatever. But it says God is speaking about his son here. This son whom is his beloved son, the son he wants you to listen to. And we're just going to, we're just going to let the father, God the father, Describe the son to us as he extols us to listen to him. So, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things. So he's the heir of all things through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has uh, as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. You know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stop there for a moment. It, this book here starts with the verses, God. You can tell he's speaking to believers here because he's not trying to explain who God is or trying to convince people of who God is. He's speaking to believers, Jewish believers, but he's speaking to believers, so he's speaking to us, right? And and he's setting up what later in the chapter, and we're going to go through the book of Hebrews, not all today, but we're going to go through the book of Hebrews because I believe God wants, is impressed upon me to really, to really express to all of us What the new covenant is versus what the old covenant was. You know, what the old covenant is and what was and what the new covenant is and what is, and what is expected of us in the new covenant. Uh, I've been having these conversations with Pastor Dale. That's been on his heart. Um, he's somewhere around here. Oh, okay. He's hiding back there. And, and I just really believe here we are, new covenant fellowship. 
And, and, and here we are in the new covenant. Right? And, and we really need to know backwards and forwards what the new covenant is, uh, what the new covenant is about and, and what we should be about as representation of Jesus Christ in this new covenant. Amen? And so there are things about Jesus that God really wants to emphasize to us. There are things about the new covenant that he wants to call us to. And so we're just going to, we're going to just talk about Jesus and the fact that God wants to divert our attention to Jesus. He wants us to not let God's word be the burning bush that's in the corner of our eye without us averting our eyes and turning to it and making sure that we hear what thus saith the Lord and that is what we're obeying. That is what's motivating us. That is what's driving us. Are you hearing me? So, and it says there that he has spoken to us, us believers, to us through his son. And I think about the difference between Jesus and the prophets and the apostles. How do I want to put this? Jesus just didn't give the word. Jesus is the word. God sent his word to Moses and to the prophets. He sent his word and they shared his word, but they had their own personalities and attitudes and boy, does it come through. But Jesus didn't just share a word that God sent through him. He is the word that God sent. And not only is he that, he is also the living embodiment, the living representation of God, which means he didn't just share a word. He actually represented in essence, in character, in everything, the father that sent him. So much so that when they said, show us the father, he said, have I been so long with you yet you do not know me? He's like, everything I do, everything I say, everything I'm about is the exact representation of the Father. There is no deviation between me and the Father, right? So to me, that's one of the differences. He didn't just deliver a message. He is the message. Are you hearing that? He is the message. For the, for, for, for the person out there that lacks hope, you know, they, they need this New Testament. They need this gospel. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, not by works. There's somebody daughtered out there that's that fell for a line and thought some dude loved her. She gave herself to him, and she's pregnant, and she's considering abortion right now. 
And we can have picket signs and we can talk about his murder and all this other stuff all we want to. But it doesn't change the fact that she's in a real world situation and she's got some heavy things that she's got to deal with. What she needs to know is there's hope. What she needs to know is there is a savior that loves her. What she needs, you know, she needs to know that there is life for her and her baby. She needs to know that, hey, yes, you sinned, but you know what? Jesus died on the cross for that sin. And let me give you hope. Just like God gave Hagar hope when when Sarai said she has got to go. She can't stay in this house with me and the promised child, Isaac. She can't do it. Moses giving a little water and bread and say, hey, I'm sorry, but, you know, God said I got to do what my wife says. And Hagar thought it was the end. She didn't have hope. You know, that was the second time Hagar was in that experience. She was kicked out the second time. The first time she ran away. While she was pregnant. Because Sarai was treating her so harshly. She didn't know where she was going, but she knew that she had to get away. And God told her. He gave her hope. I have a Hope in the future for that baby. Go back and submit yourself to your mistress, uh, to your master. Go back and submit yourself to Sarai. And she said, she praised God because she said, I have seen the God who sees me. There are people in this community. Why am I so excited that we're going out into the community? There are people who are in their dark corners of their house that feel unseen. They feel unheard. They feel unvalued. And they, like Hagar, need to encounter Jesus so they can say, oh my gosh, I have now seen the God who sees me. They, they came to me. They invited me to this, to this thing they're having. But while I was there, I encountered, I, I encountered a person or some people that spoke such great things to me, things that are personal, that are deep in my heart, that nobody else could know. And they said that the Lord impressed upon them to say these things. And now I cannot deny that there must be a God. And there's God, and it's a God that sees me. Praise God. I want to know more about this God. Amen? And so we can be right on a lot of issues, but, but, but what is it that we are to do? And, 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 and before we decide what to do, are we listening to his son? So that his son can reveal the mysteries of people's hearts to us and help us heal and minister to people in a way that they, that they come to Jesus. Amen? Are we listening to Jesus? Are we fighting the battle in a way that honors him? Are we fighting like the song? This is how I fight my battles, right? Are we fighting the battles that the Lord is calling us to fight? And are we doing it in a way that honors him and obeys him? Are we effective in what we're doing? Because I remember in the Bible, a bunch of Pharisees and Sadducees not wouldn't have anything to do with publicans and sinners and prostitutes and all this other stuff, they were like, oh, God's done with them. And since the religious people were saying that, the people felt that about themselves. But the one who actually represents 
what God is all about. Who didn't just come with an opinion. Who didn't just come with a message, but who was himself the message sent from God. Went right to those people who were the dregs of society. Went right to the publicans. Went right through to the sinners. And what did he do? He sat with them. He ate with them. He fellowshiped with them. And when they asked him about it, he's like, look, the sick need to, it's the sick who need a physician. You guys think you're all right with God. Why well, I'm wasting my time with you. These people know they're not right with God and they don't think they can get right with God. And I'm here to give them a new diagnosis that yes, you are in sin, but I'm here to deliver you from that sin. Yes, you're separate from God, but God's desire is to be reconciled with you. And through me, you are going to be reconciled with God. People need that kind of hope because I don't think there's anybody in here in this, in this, uh, uh, sanctuary who hasn't messed up. I don't think there's anybody here in this sanctuary who was born saved. I don't think there's anybody in this sanctuary who has a spotless, sinless record. So listen to Jesus. We're, let's not be hypocrites and first John 1, 9, our sins, but then look down our nose as morally superior to people who are in sin, right? Because we don't represent ourselves or our opinion, we represent Jesus. And we're either right before God or or, or, or we're among those, the one that Jesus will leave the 99 for to bring them into the fold. Second Peter 3 9 says, God is not slack as some men can count slack, as men count slackness, but he's long suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come into repentance. That's the heart of our God. That all should come into repentance. So an expression of the heart of our God, instead of lobbing arrows at those who are in sin from a distance, is to extend a hand of fellowship and try to reach them and do what Jesus did. Go out into the community. Go out there and make relationship connections in the name of the Lord. Go out there and show people the love of Christ. Go out there and let them know that you represent a God who treasures them. Who treasures them so much he gave his only begotten son for them. Right? And because he did that, right, life may have been been terrible for you. And you have made may have made some terrible decisions. And we're not going to sugarcoat what you did and what you're doing is sin. But the, but I also want you to know that our God doesn't love you any less, right? He will take you as you are in your brokenness, right? Uh, uh, in your pervertedness, <laughs> right? And, and whatever it is, he'll take you because the power, the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit and the word of God, once you give your heart to him, he's begun a good work in you and he's faithful to complete it. Right? He, he does a sanctifying work in you. He will, he will make you the person that he's called you to be. He will sanctify and purify your soul. Amen? He will convict you. The Holy Spirit will convict you of the wrong that you used to have no problem doing. 
and he'll lead you into all truth. You know, you don't have to try and clean yourself up to come to God. Come to him as you are. Because he loves you as you are. Right, church? Let's listen to him and, and not just listen to his words, but let's listen. This is a weird way to say this, but, but through observation. Right? Because Jesus is speaking through his actions in the gospels if we're paying attention. You think it was by accident that he told uh, Zacchaeus in front of a whole crowd of people that I'm coming to dine with you tonight in your house? A man that everybody knew was a sinner? What they didn't know was that God already began to, he already began to, uh, his heart already began to change. He heard about this Jesus. There's a reason he was climbing up on a tree, get a chance to see him. And we like to say he was such a little man. That's why he had to climb up on the tree and we, and all this. But, but he had a hunger in his heart. He heard about Jesus. He heard about the, not just the miracles, but he heard about the people he touched. People like the, the woman caught in adultery. She wasn't a leper. She wasn't blind or deaf and so forth, but she needed no less of a healing than any of those people did. And so he's forgiving sins. And he's probably wondering, I wonder, can even I? I want to see him. Can I be forgiven? Does God treasure me? Can I be of use to the kingdom? Can I be of use to the king of kings and the Lord of lords? Even me? I've robbed so many people of their money. I've taken, I've taken advantage of so many people. And Jesus, knowing what's going on in his heart, knowing that this, that he is, you know, he's feeling terrible about the things that he's done and he's hopeful, hopeful that God might somehow accept him says to him in front of all these witnesses who knows how guilty he is. I'm going to honor you. I'm going to honor you. I'm coming to your house and I'm going to eat at your house. You know how many religious people that that probably chafed who wanted such an honor and didn't get it and yet this man gets it. Amen? You know, uh, the woman caught in adultery. She was caught in adultery. She did it. Not by herself. I don't know why two people weren't there. Maybe they stoned him already. I don't know. But she did it. And the law did say what they said the law said. What she did deserved stoning to death. And Jesus even admitted, okay, you're right, yeah. Your interpretation of the law is right. I tell you what, though, let he who is without sin cast the first stone. That's why one of the reasons it's so important to listen to Jesus. Listen not only with our ears, but with our eyes, observing the way our Savior conducted himself. The way he approached people. 
the people he approached, the people he ministered to. We want to, because we're not just supposed to be proclaiming him verbally. We're supposed to be exemplifying, representing him individually, representing him in not only in speech, but in how we perceive and view people whether we value or treasure people that Christ died for, right? How we conduct ourselves toward people, right? Because we don't represent ourselves. We're bought with a price, the precious blood of Jesus. We represent him. So how we conduct ourselves with people should be showing people how Jesus would treat them. Are you hearing me? I dare you to go into the Gospels and show me where I'm lying. And it's important that we listen to him and we model ourselves after Jesus. We don't want to deceive ourselves into believing that we're morally superior to somebody just because we're on the better side of an issue than somebody. Because our salvation isn't about our moral superiority. Our salvation is about Christ who saved us. Right? And if we're feeling morally superior, then we're going to be looking down our nose at the people who God's called us to save. And we're going to be having attitudes that they deserve this, or they deserve that, and they shouldn't have done this, or they, and they wouldn't have got that. That, that. That's not, God didn't appoint us judge and jury. He appointed us ambassadors of his to go out into the field and reap it. Right? There will come a time when we'll all go before the throne of God and face an account for the deeds that are done. But for now, our Savior has given us a commission. To go and make disciples. Right? And that commission needs to be honored by us. Are you hearing me? And, and, and in order to advance that commission, it's, it's not just about what we say, but how we treat others. I don't want to be like the Pharisees. Let us not be like the Sadducees or the Pharisees who are self-righteous to the point that we're no good to the people that God has assigned us to reach. Let us not be among those that say God is done with those people. He can't use them. He, he, can't, he can't reach out to them. And you know what really grieves my heart when I think about this? And I'm just going to say, I, I don't know, and I'll go back to the issue of abortion. I, I don't know how many women are sitting in our churches Good, godly Christian women who have had an abortion and haven't fully healed from it that don't feel comfortable, don't feel like the church is a safe place for them to really share what they've done and and, and get loved well and healed from it. And they feel that way because the rhetoric they're constantly hearing is, is, is volatile. It's constantly... It's constantly judging and condemning. And it, and is, I am anti-abortion. I will say that. I don't know if Facebook Live is going to do something about that, but I am.
But I am also anti-vilifying women who get one. Or who have had one. Because that's not the heart of Jesus. Right? And so, and so if we're going to be pro-life, then let's be pro-life. Life from the womb to the tomb. And so the baby's life is precious, but so is the mother who made that terrible decision. And so I want us to listen to Jesus. I don't know why I went there, but I went there and I just trust God. There. But let's listen to Jesus. What he said, what he did, the heart that he expressed, God has told us to listen to him. Those of us who are in the new covenant, he's the heir of all things. He's preeminent. He is the preeminence of all things. It says here, he made the world. He's the brightness of God's glory. The father's glory. The express image of his person. Upholds all things by the word of his power. Himself purged our sins. Because we could not do it ourselves. Are you hearing me? This, we typically in churches call this the sanctuary. All right? And, and it is my prayer that this place, that the presence of God so fills this place that that it becomes a sanctuary for all those that are burdened. For all those that are heavy laden. For all those that are stricken with grief from a life of sin. They can come in and be free. They could come in and just bow the knee and just surrender their hearts to Jesus. And be healed from all the pain and and and, and, and suffering and and. And that life is thrown at them and more importantly, be free from the bondage of sin and death. Are you hearing me? I want to, uh, let's, let's move on. Uh, I, I just want to uh, wrap this up and, um, see what God wants to do ministry wise. Hebrews is supposed to be my main text, but uh, heck, I've just gone like 25 minutes on three verses. So uh, we're going to see if we can be a little more efficient with our time going forward. All right. Bear with me, please. Uh, he is the uh, radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. For to which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son, today I have begotten you. So now 
again, not, not, not that anybody here needs this, but, you know, sometimes, you know, people hype up the divinity or, or, or of angels. You know, a lot of people, some in some denominations, they pray to angels or they pray to Mary and stuff like that. No, Jesus is Lord of the angels. <laughs> he's the angel's Lord and he's Mary's Lord. She gave birth to him, but he's her Lord. Right. And so here he is superior to the angels. And he's pointing that out. You know, he ha- he is as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. For to which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son, today I have begotten you, which is what he said of Jesus. Or again, I will be to him a father and he shall be to me a son. He never said that about any of the angels. And again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. So now we see a hierarchy here where the angels worship him. They're not on the level with him. All right. Of the angels, he says, he makes his angels uh, winds or uh, spirits and his ministers a flame of fire. But of the son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions and you lord laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning and the heavens are the work of your hands they will perish but you remain they will all wear out like a garment like a robe you will roll them up like a garment they will be changed but you are the same and your years will have no end hallelujah you know so god God is, God is supreme, right? Jesus has been exalted and given a name that is above every other name. And at that name, every knee shall bow. Whether you are a human being or an angel. Whether you are uh, an angel in good standing with God or a fallen angel. Everyone is going to bow to the name of Jesus. Amen? And that's not going to change. He has the throne forever and ever and ever. There will be no end to the years. And to which of the angels has he ever said, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? He hasn't said it, but he said that of Jesus. Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? No, it didn't say, are they all ministering spirits sent out to serve those who inherit salvation sent out for the sake of those who inherit salvation because they serve the one who sent them. Amen. And I I wanted to, I wanted to take time to say that I'll end right there, but I wanted to take time to say that because uh, sometimes we often, I'll say we often make the mistake of, Praying to God to do what we want him to do. <laughs> uh, instead of having a yielded heart that is available to God and willing to embrace in faith what God wants to do. Regardless of whether or not it is our will. 
That's another way that we must see Jesus. It's another way we must listen to him. Is in the dying of self and letting Christ live. That he must he 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 must live uh we must die so that he must live in us and through us. And he is not asking us anything of us that he didn't do himself. Because our Savior in the Garden of Gethsemane exhibited this. He said, Father, I know what you're capable of. If If there's a plan B, if there's a way that you can redeem man other than me going through this, I know you can do it. But what matters to me more than what I want is what you want, Heavenly Father. Not my will, but yours be done. And you can tell it was an internal struggle because he did it three times. The flesh wanted one thing, but he subjected the flesh to faith in God. He subjected the flesh to the spirit. And it shows you that our Savior can relate to your trials, to your struggles, to your persecution, to your hardships, to your brokenness. He can relate because he knows what it feels like to be at the end of oneself. He knows what it feels like to experience something that is that, that you dread, that, that, that is beyond your carnal capacity <laughs> to deal with, right? And yet he showed us how we're supposed to handle that. You know, it wasn't a part of the Sermon on the Mount and, 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 and he didn't have a teaching that specifically said do this or that and the other. It, he, he showed it. What you're supposed to do. Whether it's legal troubles, whether it's financial troubles, whether it's relationship troubles, uh, can't find a job, all these things, you take that to God humbly. And it's okay for you to have some idea about what you want God to do. (laughs) It's okay to present that to God as long as it's done in humility and you're surrendered to him and have a willingness that, okay, God, if you're doing something different, if it's your desire to do things, if I've got to go the hard road, then God, the hard road it is. And I will say, yes, Lord, and I'll remain available to you on that hard road. And I will love you and I will praise you. And I'll say, thank you, Lord. I know you're going to be faithful to me and we're going to get through that hard road together. And somehow, some way, you're going to get the glory out of it. And that's what matters. Amen. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. Pay attention to him is probably what I said. Pay attention to him. Because he's shown us a lot that we should be learning from him. And if we don't pay special attention, not to just the words that he said, but but the actions he took, the way he behaved, the way he handled himself, the way he handled difficult circumstances, the way he dealt with the fear 
uh, that uh, the fear of uh, societal issues and all that stuff. He stayed focused on what God commissioned him to do. There is nothing going on in today's world from a sin perspective that wasn't also going on in the, um, in the, in the, in the New Testament under Roman rule. You know, uh, man is no more depraved now than they were then. The government is no more corrupt now than it was then. Right? And yet the kingdom still advanced. Jesus stayed focused on the gospel of the kingdom. And despite the corrupt government, despite the societal issues, as they continued to preach the kingdom and God continued confirming the kingdom, people kept getting added to the kingdom. <laughs> Amen. It's, it's really that simple. And, and, and sometimes in our fear, we're, we're fighting battles and fighting fires that ain't kingdom. And we need to get zeroed in on, okay, God, am I looking to you? Am I paying attention to you? God said from heaven, this is my beloved son. He's the embodiment of this new covenant. Listen to him. Follow his example. Would you please stand? I know we're in COVID protocols and everything, but I, I, I'm just calling you, beloved uh, children of God. I believe that the title of today's message is a call, is a recruiting call to all of us. If you can imagine it, God speaking from heaven. Saying to each and every one of us, this is my son. He's been presented to you. Now, there are those who wrote the gospels, those who wrote some of the epistles in the New Testament, who literally walked with Jesus on this earth. You are reading their testimony of what they saw with their own eyes, Jesus do. But there are so many more that's come that has become believers as a result of their testimony. And we are among those. Amen. I don't know who the writer of Hebrews is. We know Mark wrote the gospel of Mark. But I believe God is saying to you, this is my beloved son. Hear him. Not not your favorite talk show host. Listen to him. Not your favorite news anchor. Listen to him. Not your favorite TV prophet or whatever. Listen to him.
not your Facebook feed. Listen to him. But not just listen to him with your ears. Pay attention to him with your eyes. Pay attention to him with your heart. Because he's speaking to you even when his mouth is not moving. He's speaking to you. When he said, let's go to the other side. To his disciples. And on the other side was a demon possessed man who was living in the tombs. He went there. Set that man free. To deliver him from demonic possession. And then he went back to the other side. He specifically encountered that man that society had no way of dealing with. A man who felt so dead on the inside and so rejected by society, he found his residence among dead people. And Jesus came and gave him life. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. Pay attention to him. Emulate him. And while your heads are bowed, I just want to see a show of hands of anyone who, who is willing to answer that call who is just willing to say, here I am, Lord. I hear you, Lord. I hear you. I hear you, God. Just raise your hands, and we'll close in prayer. Uh, and really, I don't want any courtesy hand raises. If, if God has really moved on your heart and you really are ready to commit yourself, to represent Christ well in this generation, to emulate him not only in speech, but in deed, in attitude, in how you perceive and, and, and value and treasure others. If you want to emulate him, then raise your hand and say, Lord, I'm on board. I'm turning my gaze like Moses did. I'm turning because you got my attention. And I'm drawing near to you, Lord, so that I might learn of you. Teach me how to walk like you, Jesus. Teach me how to love like you, Jesus. Teach me. Father God, I thank you. I thank you for every hand raised, Lord. I thank you for every heart touched. I thank you for the willingness of your people, Lord, to 
acknowledge their own wrongdoing, Lord, and, and, and repent and say, Lord, I'm ready to change my ways. You know, as a matter of fact, uh, I'm going to ask y'all to repeat after me, and, and everybody doesn't have to repeat after me, but because what I'm asking now is going to require repentance from from some of us, maybe from many of us. <laughs> no. uh, maybe we have walked in judgment of others. Maybe we have felt morally superior to others uh, because we either believe something that they don't, or you know, we have a stance that they don't have, and 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 we've rested in that instead of relying on the salvation of the Lord that we've received by grace through faith. Uh, our reach, our righteous deeds, um, our moral superiority is like filthy rags apart from Christ. There is no moral superiority apart from Christ. <laughs> and so, uh, and so, uh, and so, I, I believe we have to be intentional about acknowledging heart attitudes and behaviors that are in absolute disobedience to the word of God. And we need to be intentional about repenting of that. We have a God that forgives us, right? Do we? Is it right or not? We have a God that forgives us, but we have to own our stuff first. We have to acknowledge that we've been wrong, that we've wronged God, that we've sinned against God, and humbly ask for his forgiveness, and we've got it. We don't even have to second guess it, right? And so, uh, so I'm just going to pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, I lift up your sons and daughters here, Lord. And, and keep your hands up if you're, uh, if that, I tell you what, you don't have to keep your hands up, but, uh, unless you're also wanting to repent of uh, God, some, God has identified some areas in your life where you, have not represented the Lord as you ought to. You've not walked in obedience to God uh, in attitude uh, or in deed. And, 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 and you're confessing that right now. By that hand raised, you're confessing that I have not done that. But you're also confessing that, uh, Lord, I'm confessing that sin and, and I'm repenting of that sin right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, Father God, I thank you for every hand raised today, Lord. Those that have uh, repented, Lord. Those that have confessed that they have been wrong in their heart attitudes, that they have not represented you as they ought to, as an ambassador of Christ to this lost and dying world. A lost and dying world who needs our light to shine so bright that they can see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven. And, Father God, let let those works of uh, of the children of God so abound that the people in darkness cannot help but to see them. They cannot help but to be moved by them. They cannot help but to respond to, 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 to God who is using these vessels for his glory. And Father, I thank you that everyone here who has confessed their sin before you, I thank you that you have forgiven them. First John 1, 9, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 
And that is confession from a repentant heart. Lord, we confess to you from repentant hearts that we've allowed our hearts to be hard. to those who need the gospel message. And we know from Matthew 7, Lord, when you said, when you divided the sheep from the goats, and you said, when I was sick, you visited me. I was hungry, you fed me. When I was naked, you clothed me. He said, when did we do these things? When you did it to the least of these, you did it to me. So by extension, Lord, we can say that if our hearts are hardened toward the least of these and our hearts are hardened towards you, soften our hearts, God. Let not our hearts continue to be hard against you by being hard against the people that you've called us to reach. Use us, Lord. Use us to reach those who have previously been believed to be unreachable. Use us, Lord, to those who are hurting and in bondage during this pandemic. They need the message, uh, the gospel message. They need the hope of the gospel. They need the life of the gospel. They need the good news. They need the good news. They need to know the salvation of the Lord is available for them. They need to know your love. And so I pray for everyone, everyone, Father God, within the hearing of my voice. They're going to have a, a, new, a, a, a new perception from this day forward. A new attitude from this day forward. Let their light shine, Father, in their various spheres of influence, wherever that may be. Lord, lives are going to be changed throughout this week as you use some of the very people who stood here with hands raised today. And and it's just going to bleed over into next week. And we're going to come here and we're going to have a great time of worship and time in the word next Sunday morning. And then we're going to go into our fall festival and, and, and what you're doing in our hearts right now is just going to flow out of us, <laughs> Father God, as we love on the community, that, the community members that come out, uh, whether they're single moms or, 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 or families with both parents there, whether they are students, whether they are business people, whether they are people without jobs, no, it doesn't matter it, whether they are people who are uh, drug addicts or or, or any other kind of addict or people who have just come out of jail. Uh, it doesn't matter who they are, Lord. They're going to come here and they're going to encounter you through your, through your body. And I am just declaring that there are going to be people who come to you, Lord, who, who receive the salvation of the Lord and whose lives are going to be changed and transformed forever. Father, we pray all this and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord.
Amen. Praise the Lord. This is my.